come in our presence when you are the almighty God of the universe. You delight in us. You delight in our praise. You delight in visiting us and being with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You came. Jesus, thank you for giving us access to the God of the universe. It allows us to be in his presence and gives him praise and adoration. May that really be our desire that our lives shine with who you are and what you've done. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for allowing us to give you praise and adoration that is so due your name. May you bless everything we do this day from beginning to end. When the lights go out tonight, we go home from the concert, we look back on this day and be able to say it was so unbelievably great to be together with the family of God in this house and in this place. May this offering please you. May it bring glory to your name well beyond the doors of this church. May it touch lives in the world around us so that someday we see them face to face, standing before your throne from every tribe and every language and every nation under the sun. And know by what we give and how involved we are that we've made a difference eternally in the lives of people. In the most simple ways and the most profound ways. And bless us as we explore your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Dave, I don't know how I could ever thank you enough. I was as good as Andy Stanley. And that's not competition. That's just saying how blessed we really are (laughs) to be here this morning in this place. How many of you got emotion when we sang the very first Christmas song right out of the box? I mean, we go all year long, 11 months, sing a lot of other songs that I absolutely love. I get the chance to do this every Sunday twice, and I love it. But then all of a sudden, when you sing that very first Christmas song, the emotion comes flooding by. Hopefully, you waited until after Thanksgiving was over before you went to 3WS or whatever. 88.7, we're going to talk about them tonight, but they're playing Christmas music as well. I love it when we get to this season and all that goes on. You all notice the decoration? Do you like them? It's fascinating when you come in on Monday and see this, and then you come back on Wednesday and see what God has done here and all the people that were involved. There were 80, 90 people here on Tuesday night, from the fluffing team to everything else you can imagine to put it all together and got it to what it is, and uh, I'm really grateful. So thank you for doing that. Tonight, you don't want to miss out on well over 540 tickets have been sold for tonight's concert with Josh Wilson. I think you can still get them, so make sure you see somebody outside afterwards on the way out. But it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, a great experience. Can't begin the holiday season any better, the Christmas season any better than with Christmas music. Going to do a lot of his stuff and a lot of his songs as well. But some acoustic set with Christmas music. You want to be here and a part of that. Ten minutes after the service is over this morning, family experience in Kid Stuff Theater. When you walk out of here through the glass doors, keep working your way around. And kindergarten to fifth grade, you're going to talk about the life app of the month, an opportunity to find out how can I apply what I keep hearing from the Word of God on a regular basis for this month, and how can we do that as a family? And that's why we really encourage you and call it family experience so that you'll come together. Tuesday night is family fun night and caroling, and uh, today's the last day to sign up for that. I point out the caroling part, fun night, we're going to have a meal and everything else here But we're going to go Christmas caroling to as many nursing homes as we can get. I think there's three or four of them that night that we get to. And it can be life-changing if you've not done it before. A few years ago, we took our small group, and we went as families, and we took everybody to as many nursing homes as we could get. And when you go in there and sing to somebody who is just weeping, who hasn't had anyone visit them for a while, and to watch the reaction when they see kids and watch their reaction as the kids or the family to them, Uh, You don't want to miss out on it. Even if you don't come on Tuesday night, you can't. Man, I just encourage you to visit one of them or visit a couple of them 
whether a small group or just as a family, just go out and say, how you doing? I hope you have a great Christmas because they really don't get visited a lot. And it's an incredible opportunity. I do this for a living, and I know that, so I see it more often than not. But if you get a chance, uh, I know they would love it. A lot of other information in your bulletin. Please make sure you read it carefully so you don't miss out on one single thing. 21 days till Christmas. <laughs> Y'all done with your shopping? 21 days. I mean, is it just me or this year seem to fly by? All of a sudden, here we are, December the 4th, starting a Christmas series, Christmas 2016. Been celebrating them for a long time, and all of a sudden, now it's here. And for some of us, we're saying, okay, it went really fast. 21 days, oh no, as a parent. 21 days for a kid, oh yeah. For us parents, we're thinking it goes so slow, so fast, they think it goes so slow. We're going, I'm not ready yet. They're going, I can't wait. Remember what it was like as a kid? Those few days before Christmas seemed to drag on forever. I mean, the last two days of summer vacation, and now you've got to go back to school flyby. Now, not for teachers. They're going, oh, just, dear God, one more week, one more week. But for those of us who are kids, those last couple of days or few days before we got to go back for, for school and after summer vacation, man, they just fly by. And those last two days before Christmas go on forever. I want to ask you some questions. Did any of you, when you were kids, look for your gifts in the house? I mean, you knew they were there somewhere, and you looked for them. You just had to search somewhere around the house to see if you could find them. All right, another honest question. How many of you found them? You found your gifts. All right, now this is true confession. It's not going outside the room. All right? How many of you not only found them, you actually played with them before Christmas? You took your gifts out and you played with them before Christmas. My mother was classic. At my kids coming over to their house... And my mom, after I would go outside or spend some time with dad or just be out hunting, whatever it was I was doing, my mom would come to my girls and say, in the living room, in the closet behind the big chair, you'll find your gift. Take it out and play with it. Make sure you put it back before dad comes back in. I'm going seriously. They didn't tell me that for years. I don't know if you've ever had those times in your life where as an adult, you go back and tell your parents some of the things you did as kids just to see if they even knew it. My girls told me one time, at least the only one they told me that I remember, that one year when I went to bed, now you got to remember, I'm a pastor, so we got Christmas Eve services, we've got all those things going on, a lot of people going around, people that want to come to our house, all this stuff, and you're finally getting home somewhere around midnight or whatever it seemed like anyhow, and now i got four or five hours to put these toys together that you know aren't going to stay together just because of the way I'm trying to put them together with no coffee and at midnight or two o'clock in the morning. But one year, they came, they found their cabbage pastels. Y'all remember cabbage pastels? Had little high chairs that went with them, right? They came out after we went to bed. I don't even know how they did it because I stayed up most of the night putting stuff together. They came out after we went to bed, found them, played with them, had tea parties for them, put them back under the tree, and then had the audacity on Christmas morning to act surprised. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They didn't tell me that for years later. But they actually acted surprised. Couldn't wait for Christmas morning. And if we're really honest, most kids can't. <laughs> Even some of us big kids. 
Can't wait for that moment. That experience, that grandchild, that little girl, that little boy, whoever it may be, just can't wait for Christmas. Believe it or not, the idea and emotion of waiting and waiting and waiting actually sets up the very first Christmas. For generation after generation, not just year after year, but generation after generation, there was a handful of Jewish people who waited every day and every year, not for the arrival of Christmas, but for the Messiah, which was the reason we celebrate. Year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation, waiting for that one moment that you and I have been celebrating for the last hundreds of, hundreds of years. In every generation, there was a group of people who lived their lives every single day in obedience to God's command, knowing that this could be the day the Messiah would come. In every generation, that group of Jewish people who would live their lives every single day in obedience to God's command, knowing this could be the day that the Messiah comes. And that wait went on for decades, and then generations, and nothing happened. They prayed, they believed, they remained faithful, and nothing. Now, there were some who abandoned their faith. They quit waiting and quit believing, and they went on to live their life any way they wanted to, wondering who would stay faithful and committed to a promise that had been given a thousand years ago that hasn't come true anyhow. But there was a group of people who every day got up and lived their lives as this could be the day that the Messiah would come. This morning, we're going to meet two of those people. I have to believe at some point in maybe your journey of life or your Christian experience, where you felt God was awfully quiet and maybe seemed even inactive. And he was so silent that you may have thought, you may have thought, you probably didn't say it, but you at least thought, is everything I believe true? I've been giving, I've been going, I've been sitting, I've been paying attention, I've been reading, I've been doing. Is all of this true? Or am I just coming here or doing this because my parents always did and now I do and I'm hoping they'll follow me? And, or am I doing this because I'm afraid if I abandon my faith and walk away from God then something bad's going to happen to me? And if so, maybe it's more about superstition than belief. And if you've ever thought anything like that or know someone else who has or does, then this story is for you or them. Now, when I even said that statement a moment ago, you're sitting here, I've never thought that. I've never wondered about this. I know why I'm here. I know why I give. I know why I do. But I've got to believe there are people in your life who say, why do you do this every Sunday? Why did you give your life to ministry? Why do you come every Sunday? You give a lot of money to the church. Why do you do that? I mean, do you really know where it goes? Do you really know... What's happening? Do you really? Do you? And if you have people like that in your life or maybe someone that you know that is like that who's not here this morning because you've never thought anything like that but you know they have, then this sermon is for them. And if you really know they ask the question and they really would love for an answer, give them the sermon. We can put it on a CD. They can put them on a stick. ButlerCAC.org, it'll be up in a couple of hours this afternoon. I got to believe that every once in a while you run into someone like that who wonders, is all of this for real?
I mean, Jesus said he was coming back, but that was 2,000 years ago. Is he really going to come back? If you really give your life to Jesus and you die tonight, you really believe you're going to go straight to heaven? There's got to be some people in your life who ask those kinds of questions. Sermons like this may be good for them to hear. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Today and next Sunday morning, I'm going to share a sermon next Sunday morning that I don't think you've ever heard anything quite like it before. We're going to be in Luke 1 today and Matthew chapter 1 next Sunday morning. And most of us, if you've heard any stories about these two particular sections of Scripture, they're somewhat over-ignored. They're not always the ones that we share. I still remember sitting under a tree with my dad, who very seldom did a lot of things with us as a family just because of the context of the farm. But we would sit around on Christmas Eve, and we would read the Christmas story, and it always came out of Luke chapter 2. Most of you know the one out of Luke 2 and the one out of Matthew when it talks about the wise men and all the things that go with that. I want to back up today and next Sunday morning to talk about just the beginning of the story and how it all begins to unfold. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to be in Luke. Now, it's going to be on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to just walk it through. We're going to literally take every verse of time. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were in the priestly line of Israel. You know what that means? They were preacher's kids, who were preacher's kids, who came from a long line of preacher's kids. Verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and His decrees blamelessly. Which means when God looked at them, they were doing everything right. When God looked at them, they were doing everything life, right? Living their life out every day as if you read it and live it You read it and live it, even if you have not seen what you're living for become reality. They're living out their faith every day. And if you've ever read the Old Testament, that's a lot of right living. When it says they were observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, and you go back to the Old Testament, that's a lot of right living. And every day, no matter how long they've waited, how how many centuries have gone on since they've believed the promise is going to become reality, yet not there, every single day they get up. They faithfully serve, and they live as if God could come at that moment. If you follow them around, you'd see it. If you hired a private investigator to watch how they really live, not what everybody else saw, but what they really were when no one else was looking, you would see them living it out. Every single day, they're living out their faith. They're doing what priests had done for thousands of years of followers of God based on the promise of a Messiah that was given a thousand years before. And oh, by the way, for the last 700 years, God hasn't said or done a thing. 700 years. If we don't get information in a moment, we're a little uptight. I mean, Monday, I'm sitting out in the middle of the woods, far away as you can imagine. Didn't even know if I have cell tower, and I'm getting an update on what's going on in Ohio State. Immediately. If I go to my computer and I type something in that I want to find out, and it doesn't happen in 2.8 seconds, I'm calling Joe up saying, why is my computer so slow? I mean, we want information immediately. We want it now. I want an answer. I don't understand. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me where you're going. Tell me what it's all about. Do you hear me praying? Do you know I'm here? Do you even know what I'm doing? 700 years. We can't even process it because of the age of information. 
700 years have been silent, yet these two people get up and live their lives out every single day as if Christmas is coming, if the Messiah they waited for all their life is going to show up, and as if God is actually going to keep and fulfill his promise. They're living it out, blameless, with no evidence at all that God is going to do any of it. Yet every single day they faithfully follow God. Verse 7. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren. Do you realize the weight of that? I mean, they're living out their faith every day in a culture where the sign of God's blessing on your life is to have children, and they couldn't. Every single day they get up, live out their faith, constantly follow God, obedient to his word, living out their faith in a culture where the sign of God's favor or blessing is to have children, and they couldn't. The rest of verse 7, and they were both well-advanced in years. That's more than just the clock is ticking. It's on its last talk. This is a people with an incredible history of God doing the miraculous. Take some time this afternoon or sometime this week and go back to the Old Testament. I mean, the miracles of God are incredible. The rescue from Egypt, the ten plagues, parting of the Red Sea, manna from heaven. The list is endless of the things they'd seen God do. David and Goliath, the stories they'd rehearsed in their head, fire from heaven with Elijah. This is a people with a history that God had done the miraculous in an incredible way. King David and his rise to power, Solomon's wealth, the temple at Jerusalem. I mean, this is a people who'd seen it all, but not for a long time. At one time, they saw God do some amazing things, but then things fell apart. The nation of Israel split. The Syrians took over, which is now why that's still an issue. Then the Babylonians, then the Greeks, then the Persians, then the Romans. From the time of King Solomon until the story we read here in Zechariah and Elizabeth, the nation of Israel, some say, changed hands over 20 times. A nation who had once been promised by God to be as large as the sands on the seashore. God one time said to Abraham, absolutely all the people on earth are going to be blessed through you. But now that promise seems so far away. In 65 BC, Pompey, the great Roman general, desecrates the holiest of holies, and God seems silent. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but there's an Old Testament story of them bringing the ark of God, the covenant of God, everything in that ark, some manna, Moses' rod, the Ten Commandments are all in this ark, and it was a symbol of God's presence in their lives. And they were taking it back, and, and the ark on the cart that was there started to move for a little bit and sway a little bit. And so two of the guys were just walking along, just reached out to steady it, and God struck them dead. Still one of the ones I have a hard time trying to figure out. And now here, this Roman general, a pagan in their eyes, comes into the holiest place in the temple, and God seemed silent and does nothing. And I have to believe, because it was only a few years ago or just a few decades ago, Zechariah had to hear about that. He knows what it's like to be under Roman rule. And i got to believe that he heard about that and still went into ministry to serve God. And you have to wonder, did he ever think in these golden years of his life, is this all true? Is it going to happen? 
I think maybe the reason that Luke begins this story of the life of Jesus with this story was because the promise they'd waited forever for was going to happen right before their eyes. And the reason that's important is for those moments or seasons in our lives when we wonder, is God active? Is God listening? Does he see where I'm at? Does he see what I'm going through? Does he know how I feel? On Christmas, the answer is a very loud, resounding through the halls of time, absolutely he does. Yes, he sees. Even though he seems silent, you don't think he knows you're there. You don't think he feels what you're going through. You don't think he understands where you're at. Down through the halls of time, God says as loud as he possibly can through this story, I know. I see you. I understand your pain. I understand your hurt. I know your wounds. I know your frustration. I know you think I don't know. I know you think I haven't heard. I know you think I've not answered yet. I know you think I'm uninterested. I just want you to know, down through the halls of time, from the Christmas story till this very moment, God says, I know exactly where you're at. And I keep my promises. I promise you that I'd walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean that promise. I promise you that I would never leave you or forsake you. I mean that promise. I promise that you, when you would come to me and ask forgiveness for your sin, I would cast them as far away as the east or from the west, never to remember them anymore. I keep that promise. When you came to me and someone said, if you accept Jesus as Savior, when you leave this world, you'll see him face to face. I mean that. And even though right now you may wonder and right now you're wondering about a lot of things going on in your life, I just want you to know that the God of the universe knows exactly where you're at, exactly what you're going through. He does listen. He does understand. He does see. Luke chapter 1 verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty... And he was serving as a priest. Now, there was a lot of priests, and they were divided up in different groups. And he was serving as priest. He was chosen by lot. You know what that means? Rock, paper, scissors. And he, I think that's what it means. And, and he was chosen, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and burn incense. It was a pretty big deal for him to be chosen at that moment. It was a great honor to be the one who would do this. I don't have time to go into the history, but it's an incredible moment in his time for him to be able to go there. And when the time of the burning of the incense came and all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, they couldn't go in, only he could go in. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. This is just another day in church, and then all of a sudden this happens. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Did you ever notice that every time an angel shows up in Scripture, they say, don't be afraid? Do you know the theological implications of that? You're going to be afraid. I mean, if an angel shows up in visible form, you're going to be afraid. I love how they always say, don't be afraid, because you know I'm going to be. And then look what he says. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call him John. Your prayer has been heard. Can I be really honest for a moment, as vulnerable as I know how? There's a lot of times in life where I would audibly love to hear that phrase. I hear it in my spirit. I hear it from the Word of God. But every once in a while, you've watched TV enough to know that somebody always has that producer in his ear telling him when to shut off and when to shut down and when to go to commercial and all those things. I've got to be really honest. 
that there are times in my life when I would love to have heard that audible voice. Your prayer has been heard. Can I for a moment take one of the humblest positions that any pastor will ever take and that is stand in a moment on behalf of Almighty God and tell you from God's vantage point, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer, your prayer, your prayer, your prayer, your prayer has been heard. May have not been answered. May have not been answered the way you like it. And you wonder if it's ever going to come true or if it's going to change. I just want you to know in the most humble position that I can be in standing as a spokesperson for God, your prayer has been heard. God wants you to know that. Your prayer has been heard. In Elijah's case, in Zechariah's case, it's going to be answered. The angel said to him in verse 13, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you, and will rejoice, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never take any wine or ferment a drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go out on before the Lord, and the spirit and power of Elijah and will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Remember I told you at the beginning a lot of people had abandoned their faith because they'd waited forever, for centuries, for decades, for generations, and God had not answered. And now here God is saying, I want you to know I'm going to use your son to bring them back. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. On the practical side of this, I love the fact that a guy doesn't even tell an angel how old his wife is. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's the one. How old is your wife? I'm not telling you. You just don't mention that in years. Here's an angel shows up, and he said, my wife's pretty far along. She's well advanced and doesn't even tell. I love the honesty here. Now, maybe you don't look at Scripture through the practical side of that, but I'm telling you, I love it when an angel shows up, and I don't even tell him my wife's age. And then I love the fact that the angel shows him his business card. Do you have any idea who I am? I am Gabriel, by the way, and I stand in the presence of Almighty God. Now, I don't know if you could really fit that on a business card, But I'm telling you, that's a pretty significant business card. I am Gabriel, by the way, and I stand in the presence of Almighty God. So what I say is true. And what I'm telling you will happen. That's a pretty strong statement. And this is good news. And now you're going to be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Underline that phrase. It's one other time that phrase shows up. It's in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. At the, appropriate, at the appointed time, God sent forth his son. You know what that means? In all of those years when there was silence, in all of those years when everybody wondered if God even knew where they were at, God all along had that day on his calendar. And you know what that means? God's timing is perfect. May not be ours. May not be the way we think it should go or thought it would go. But I love that phrase. 
Just when we think God is silent, just when we think he's been too quiet, just when we think he's not been active, I am reminded at that particular moment by that phrase, God hasn't given up. At the appointed time, God's timing is perfect. Meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting. Remember, he's inside. They're waiting on the outside, wondering why he stayed in there so long. There's only a specific amount of time they, they were there. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple because he kept making signs to them but unable to speak. Wouldn't you always wonder, what kind of signs is he making? I mean, is he doing angel's wing? What's he doing? Keeping him, but, but, but he's unable to speak. When the, his time of service was completed, he went home. Imagine the story he's now telling Elizabeth. Doesn't tell us what it is. After this time, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And then she said this, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This was the evidence that God was getting ready to do what he had promised he would do all along. And those few who believed and told their children to believe would see that God is a God who keeps his promise. This is the evidence that God was getting ready to do what he had planned to do all along. And those few who believed and told their children to believe would see God as a God who would keep his promise. So that when he promised you, I will never leave you or forsake you. You come to me and I'll forgive all of your sins. Cast them as far away as the east is from the west. I will wipe the slate clean. When you die, I'll take you to heaven. It will blow your mind. No eye has ever seen. No mind could even conceive what I have prepared for those who love me. But I'm telling you, I will keep that promise. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the promise is kept, not only for them, but for the world. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent angel Gabriel, same angel, back to Nazareth in a town of Galilee to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. For some of us in this room, and maybe only a few, maybe somebody that you know who's not in the room, But there may have been times in our lives when we wondered, is God always this silent? I I, I know not always, but right now it seems like he's awfully silent and been awfully silent for quite a while. Or has it just seemed that way to me? Pastor, can I ask you an honest question? No one else is in the room, but can I ask you an honest question? Do you think I should keep praying for my lost friend? Do you think I should keep praying for my lost mate? They have no interest in spiritual things at all. And I'm sitting here alone every Sunday. Do you think I should keep praying for that lost child who has seemingly walked off the face of the earth and will have nothing to do with me? Should I keep going? And the answer in this story is, yeah. Do I work at this marriage or quit? A lot of people seem to be quitting and It's a lot of work. Do I keep working, Pastor? Can I just ask you a question? Should I keep working at it? Pastor, can I ask you another question? Do you think anybody sees me at work? I mean, I'm giving it my all. I do as hard as I can, the best job I know how. And the guys that seem to slack every once in a while seem to get all the breaks and all the promotions. And here I've been sitting in this company for 20 years, doing the best I know how, and I wonder every once in a while, Should I just be like them? Because they seem to get all the breaks and I know him. He just got a promotion and shouldn't never have. Should I keep going? God, I want to be honest with you. I have standards. Can I ask you a question? Are they too high? 
I mean, should I lower them? Because right now I'm not seeing anything. And should, should I change my stance on my spiritual convictions? I've never cheated on an exam, but a lot do, and they seem to get away with it. I, I really want to maintain my integrity, but does anyone even notice? Does God really see? In every generation, there are believers who decide to remain faithful to God, even if they don't see God work, who have placed their faith in Him and stay faithful to Him in spite of the uncertainty around Him. The Zacharias and Elizabeth of the Christian world who decided to walk blamelessly before God in spite of unanswered prayer, uncertain times, in spite of what people say, are two of the standouts of the Christmas story, a story that's now been told for over 2,000 years who continue to stay faithful, who continue to walk before God, who continued in spite of unanswered prayer, uncertain times, in spite of what people had to say, and they stood the test of time and they stayed faithful and faithful and faithful. What about us? I'm going to ask you a question this morning, a number of them. Will you be that student in school who remains strong, when no one else seems to. Who says, you know what? They don't get it. They think I'm crazy. I don't do the things they did. But I will. I'll be one of those students. I'm just going to remain strong and faithful and committed. That college student who now is off by himself in another world almost. Parents aren't watching him. Nobody sees All the things going on around him. Will you be that student who said, regardless of what I see going on around me, regardless of the fact that I wonder if God even notices how faithful and committed I've been, I will stay faithful. I'll be that couple who said, regardless of how difficult it may be at times, we are going to stay strong before Almighty God. That person in the marketplace who says, I'm going to maintain my standards and I'm going to maintain my integrity because I want to know that to the best of my ability, I walk blamelessly before God whether I see him do anything on my behalf or not. The Christmas story is a reminder that our faith in God is is not misplaced. That even when God seems silent, he's not uninterested and he sees. The story of Christmas is a reminder that our faith and our hope in God is not and never will be in vain. One of our favorite Christmas songs is The Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. You know what pining means? Waited and waited and waited and waited. And then on that holy night, the answer came because God is the God who keeps his promise. And even when it seems like his promises are too hard to keep, almost impossible to keep, we serve a God who keeps his promise. So keep on believing, keep on walking, keep on praying, keep on living it out day after day. Stay faithful no matter what, because trust me, it will be worth the wait. So keep on believing, keep on walking, keep on living, keep on praying. Live it out every day of your life. Stay faithful, stay committed to God, no matter what, because I'm telling you, it will be worth the wait. So stay strong. Father, we thank you for your word. I think of the power of your word. Stories that every once in a while seem so obscure, we bypass them to get to the story behind the story or the big story and then realize that 
But some of them are really our story. And so I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that as we begin to think about our journey and our commitment and our wonderings, whether anyone sees and anyone recognizes and anyone knows, to know that you know that Emmanuel, God is with us in all circumstances and situations. Help us to stay strong and faithful and committed no matter what. I hope you appreciate the power of this message. Not because of the messenger, but because of the message. I mean, this message is powerful. It can change a life forever. And we have a story to tell. So tell it. Man, don't keep this story to yourself. Tell it. I can pray for you in any way. You'd love to do that. Kids from kindergarten to fifth grade, family experience. You don't want to miss next Sunday. You won't see anything quite like what we're going to do next Sunday. Love to have you here and share it as well. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Hopefully see you tonight at the concert or next Sunday as well. God bless you.